it was a struggle to try to get on the podium and and it was just a matter of like, man, can I just can I hang with these guys? And then it, it's just a matter of creeping up the standings one spot at a time and pushing yourself day in and day out because it, it's not it's not one training session or one race that puts you over the top. It's the day in day out grind of of training and taking care of yourself. It's easy to talk about the successes, but what doesn't get talked about enough is the struggle. My name is Eric Weinmayer. I've gotten the chance to ascend Mount Everest, to climb the tallest mountain in every continent, to kayak the Grand Canyon, and I happen to be blind. It's been a struggle to live what I call a no barriers life, to define it, to push the parameters of what it means. And part of the equation is diving into the learning process and trying to illuminate the universal elements that exist along the way and that unexplored terrain between those dark places we find ourselves in and the summit exists a map. That map, that way forward, is what we call no barriers. Today we meet Kyle Kuhn, who lost his sight at the age of six after a battle with retinoblastoma, cancer of the eye. However, not having sight has not stopped him from pursuing vision. He's become a competitive rock climber, downhill skier, runner, and triathlete. After graduating from the University of Central Florida, he became an endurance athlete, competing in marathons and triathlons. In 2018, he was a member of the first team of tandem cyclists with all blind and visually impaired stokers, the person on the back of a tandem bike, to complete Race Across America, the world's toughest bicycle race, racing from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland in seven days, 15 hours. Later in 2018, he became the first blind athlete to complete an Ironman in under 11 hours. And now he continues to push himself physically and mentally as he pursues his goal of representing the USA at the 2020 Paralympics in the sport of triathlon. Enjoy the conversation. Eric, welcome to today's podcast. Kyle, welcome to the show. Eric, I'm really excited to talk with Kyle. I've known Kyle for a long time because we went on a trip together uh, almost 15 years ago. But Eric, you, I understand, have known Kyle since almost the day he was born. Is that right? Yeah, Kyle. So I did meet you before I climbed Everest, right? I was 20. Yep. Yeah. You, you and I were talking. I was 29. You were in kindergarten. Yep. Yeah. So that was a couple of years away from Everest. Yeah. Yeah. I think we met yeah. like, right, at, right at the beginning of 1999. So it's, it's, it's man, it's, it's, crazy how time flies and uh yeah I, I had just gone uh i had just gone blind a couple months before and yeah yeah no it was uh and you lost your eyesight from uh like cancer blastoma if i remember right yep it was retinoblastoma so i uh, i was diagnosed yeah. when i was 10 months old and had my left eye removed when i was five and then uh, lost my right eye just before i turned seven yeah and look, I mean, I know that we all have revisionist history, but I remember, uh, so your dad's a Marine, my dad's a Marine. Yep. So they started talking. My dad, like so many people when they retired, migrated down to Florida. <laughs> and he said, uh, you got to meet this kid. And I remember you were, you know, you're only in kindergarten. So it wasn't like you were a big conversationalist and we were talking and you were asking me questions. And I, I felt like at that time you almost had like a little bit of uh, like you were shell shocked, like you didn't know 
I, I imagine at that age, it's impossible to process what had happened to you. You know what I mean? But you were really curious and you were asking me, how do you do this? How do you bike? How do you, how do you climb mountains? How, how do you swim? I mean, you were asking me just, you were full of questions. As a little kid, all, all I wanted to do is I, I just kept telling my doctors, Hey, can, can you just make me better so I can go outside and play with my friends? That's like, that's all I cared about meeting you. You know, I hear about all these crazy things you're doing. You're like jumping out of airplanes. You're, you know, hanging from your fingertips on vertical pieces of rock. Like I didn't even know people did that stuff, let alone blind people. And it, it was just, it was mind boggling to me. And, uh, and I remember you just telling me like, dude, you just gotta, you just gotta try it. And you kind of just challenged me. You were like, I, I, I think I like nodded or shook my head mm-hmm. and you were like, Hey, Kyle, I gotta let you in on a little secret. I can't see you shake your head. <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> nod your head, shake yeah. your head. Yeah. Yep. So Dave, you hear you catching this? I'm taking all the credit for Kyle's success in life. I know. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, geez, Kyle, I mean, you know, I'm giving like 10% credit, I'll take 90% credit. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, but I do like I I know you guys have known each other, so I'll just jump in here. I'm I'm really curious about these early years, Kyle, where you meet someone like Eric and 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 now, you know, you're 29. We'll talk about this amazing journey you've been on. You're you're calling us from the Olympic Training Center where you're training for the Olympics right now. When you think about those young years, obviously Eric was a big influence. How who else in your life sort of inspired you to have and pursue this life of adventure and challenge yourself? Honestly, it was it had to do a lot with my my family you know as as eric said my my dad was uh you know my dad had been a marine my mom always a marine yeah always a always a marine and you know my mom grew up in a in a in a family where you know no excuses were were to be had they wanted you know they wanted to have a tight-knit family unit and they did not want me to grow up any differently than my, than my three sisters. So they, you know, they looked around and they were like, you know what, we can, we can have this like family adventures. So we started going on, you know, camping trips and rock climbing trips and hiking trips. And my sisters and I got into competitive rock climbing all together. So like we had all, you know, it it was just, it was this thing where my, my parents were like, just because you can't see doesn't mean you're, you know, we're not going to let you slide. You know, we expect all A's in school. We expect you to give it everything you've got in, in whatever, uh, in whatever you choose to pursue. Because when you grow up, we, we're not going to be there to hold your hand, you know, when you're 29 and, you know, living on your own. So mm. we expect you to learn how to do all this stuff on your own and advocate for yourself as well. So my, my, my parents really pushed me, my sisters, you know, you guys have siblings. So you guys know, like, you know, anyone with siblings out there knows that like, I mean, just that, that sibling rivalry and camaraderie at the same time. Uh, like my sisters gave me no slack whatsoever. <laughs> so that was a huge motivator for me as well. So to be clear, it wasn't just Eric. It wasn't just Eric. Just to be clear, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But do you think that's part of the secret ingredient of, you know, being a well-adjusted person, maybe who, who's blind, is having that family structure, of like a dad who's a marine, 
I was just thinking about this, you know, my dad being a Marine, like, yeah, they're not going to baby you. They're going to say, get out there and, and, and sweep the driveway and, you know, sweep up the leaves. And, you know, you're not, you're not going to sit in your room and stew. Yeah. I think a family structure is, is critical. And that family structure doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, biological mom, biological dad, you know, it could be any tight knit unit. You just need a, a constant influence in your life. You need people to challenge you, to hold you accountable, you know, you know whether that is mom, dad, brothers, and sisters, whether that's a, a really close family friend. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, Eric, I mean, you just celebrated 20 years of summiting Everest, but uh, it, and it took a massive organization and team around you and your perseverance to, to get there. And I think my success has largely been because of the team that I've put around myself, which, which really includes, you know, just a, such a strong family unit. One last thing. And then Dave, I know you have a million questions, but then I remember after I met you that first time, he, your dad worked for a company called Bubba Burgers and he sent me this big giant pile of frozen Bubba Burgers. And uh, <laughs> man, they were so good and greasy, man. My, my stove caught on fire one time cooking them. <laughs> and uh, I used to wear my Bubba Burger t-shirt around, uh, you know, and I'd be climbing in the Boulder gym and everybody's like got t-shirts like, you know, sprouts and and carrots and I'm wearing Bubba Burger. I love it. I love my Bubba Burger t-shirt. So I need a new one. Tell you that. You know, you've done so many things in your life, but at an early age, tell us about sort of like what that, um, that early trip to Machu Picchu. And then, and then I think you went to the Grand Canyon too. Is that right, Kyle? Uh, I actually, I did not go to the Grand Canyon. I did um, Kilimanjaro. So Kilimanjaro. Exactly. Yep. So yep. And for everyone's reference, that was all, that was a full blind team of teenagers. It was. To Machu Picchu. So tell us about that adventure and, and what it meant to you, Kyle. Yeah. So uh, Eric, I'm not sure if it was you or you, your dad that had reached out to me and, you know, you guys had uh, said, hey, we're, you know, we're putting together this, you know, expedition called Leading the Way and um, we're partnering blind and sighted students, you know, teenagers from across the country and we're going to hike uh, a harder ver variation of the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. And we, we think you would be a, a great candidate to, to be part of it. And, you know, I, I, I had known a handful of, of blind kids my age, but I had never, you know, I didn't really know anyone that was as crazy as I was. <laughs> so I, I just thought it sounded like a, like an awesome adventure. I, I, I was a history nut. I had, uh, studied a little bit about, you know, the Incas. And I, uh, I, I was like, yeah, I, and, you know, the, the chance to, to get to, uh, you know, you know, hike and, you know, camp with Eric and, you know, some of his Everest teammates and all that. I was like, yeah, this sounds like a really cool opportunity. I found lifelong friends from that trip. I mean, and, and a lot of us still stay in, in touch to this day. And, and that trip was in, Shoot, 2006. I think we made it to Machu Picchu in like mid June uh, of 2006, and so I mean it's it's like 15 years, like almost to the day or week that you know we were on that trip. So it, it was just like, it was such a special thing. And then you know I I remember 
uh, a handful of us were sitting on the train coming back from uh, going back from Machu Picchu to, to Cusco. And we were like, man, we don't want to stop. Like we like, like we're doing something cool here. Like, you know, we're just a, a bunch of hack blind and sighted teenagers, you know, hiking along a trail, but it, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. Like we're having fun. And, you know, we're also showing people that look, you know, if you put together a strong team, you know, around anybody, you can accomplish more than you ever thought was possible. And so Dave, I remember we approached you and we were like, Hey, would you guys consider organizing a, a second trip for our, for our team? And, and, uh, and you went back to, uh, at the time it was global explorers and, you know, mm-hmm. and you were like, let's do it. And, uh, and then very next year we, we found ourselves, uh, you know, on top of Kilimanjaro and, and then it just, it just snowballed from there with, uh, you know, with the expansion of no barriers and, um, just so many incredible trips and, yeah, and I think that it's it's like it's really interesting to think, you know, for for me, for Eric, for you, these like pivotal transformational experiences uh, that involve sort of epic adventures at a, at a pretty young age can really shape our lives, right? They can they can have a big impact on who we are and who we become. It gave you a taste for adventure. It sounds like I mean, and it seems like triathlon. I mean, not directly sprung from that, but are definitely that taste of adventure led you forward to saying, okay, what else is out there for me? So how did you, how did you move from the mountains into uh, this competitive racer and world champion, by the way, we'll talk about that. <laughs> not, not quite world champion, but uh, well, yeah, all right. on, national on the... champion, national champion. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there, but no. Yeah. So, you know, like like you said, like I, I just I got this this adventure itch and this adventure bug and you know you know went on from Kilimanjaro to you know just loving the outdoors, spending as much time in the outdoors as I as I could, you know, climbing in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, climbing, you know, fourteeners in Colorado. And you know, eventually I, I you know, I had to I had to go to college and, you know, get one of those those uh those pieces of paper <laughs> that, you know, you have to uh, you have to get to survive in the world these days. Called a degree. At that time, I was I was also I was I was living in Orlando, Florida. There's not really a lot of mountains in Orlando, Florida. I don't know if you guys know that. There wasn't a ton of like outdoor or at least like the mountainous adventures that I had gotten used to, and I was really struggling, you know, with you know not being as gainfully employed as I would have like to, you know, I was that classic millennial that was like, you know, when I first came out of college, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to apply for every job CEO and above. And so then I just started climbing my way down the corporate ladder after that, because it obviously didn't work. <laughs> but so I, you know, I was really struggling. I was gaining weight. I was, you know, I was, I was drinking a lot of alcohol at the time. So I, uh, I just woke up one day, I was like, I got to make a change. And so I, I was like, well, I guess the only thing I could do at this point I, I have no money but i guess i got two feet maybe i can run so I, I went online and i found someone that partnered blind and sighted runners and uh reached out to a few people one person responded well beggars can't be choosers so i connected with him he had never met a blind person but had just randomly signed up for this website because he thought it sounded cool 
and um he happened to be a triathlete and uh you know we we ran together a few times and he started talking to me about triathlon and this thing called iron man and it's just it it kind of it it kind of lit uh, lit a fire in me or it really it it put an itch in the back of my mind and then you know just watching him over the course of a year doing you know a couple of ironmans and stuff it really you know i just i had this desire to uh to challenge myself again and and he was like dude i think you could i think you could do this triathlon thing and uh so we got hold of my we brought we managed to get my uh my tandem he taught me how to swim and you know, we, uh, I, I just started jumping into triathlons left and right. And eventually, you know, made my way to doing, you know, an Ironman and then, uh, decided like, man, I want to, I want to do this even more. And, uh, it, it was, you know, just the, the combination of putting swim, bike and run together was, was so fulfilling and such a challenge. Um, it really reminded me so much of, you know, you know, all this, you know, it, all the things that I, I had done in the mountains and, um, you know, you know, I could apply all the systems that I had developed, you know, from rock climbing and, uh, you know, snow climbing and, and skiing and, and all these other things, I, I could apply all those same techniques to triathlon and, and do it at a competitive level. So a couple of years ago, I got the, I got a call from USA triathlon. They were like, Hey, you know, we've seen you've been doing some some pretty uh, awesome stuff, at least in the uh, half Ironman and Ironman fields. Well, blind and visually impaired men are now going to be in the Paralympics in 2020. Would you uh, consider, you know, switching to a sprint triathlon and, you know, competing against international international fields? And uh, we're opening up a spot at the the Olympic Training Center to uh, for more residents would you consider coming and joining? And I said, uh, how, how, you know, how soon do you want me there? <laughs> I'm already at your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're calling us from the Olympic training center. I, I totally want to hear about what it's like to train for uh, Olympic events, but just for our listeners who aren't familiar with any of these techniques, like how does, how do you, what techniques do you have to run, bike, swim in a race? Yeah. So, um, during a, during a triathlon, um, I'm required to use the same guide throughout the race. So how, what we do is, you know, we you know like a cowboy where you can just go new horse, new horse. <laughs> I wish like when somebody falls, I, I wish, I wish, right. uh, <laughs> same no. guide. Okay. Yep. Same guide. So it's, uh, so it's super important to, to find a guide that is, you know, number one, stronger and faster than you are, because as you guys are, you know, as you're both racing all out, they have to be able to communicate with you throughout the race. So, so for the swim, we swim in open water. So that means like a lake or the ocean or a river or something like that. So in the swim, we, uh, I actually, what we do is we take a bungee cord. Um, and, and this is a technique that I, and a lot of other people use, we take a bungee cord and we actually tie it around. I tie it around my upper left thigh and then my guide ties it around his upper right thigh and we swim side by side and we can feel that I can feel the tension of that tether, you know, pulling basically at my, uh, at my hip. And then if, you know, as we come to certain turn buoys, my guide will tap my left shoulder twice to let me know that there's a left-hand turn or he'll reach over and he'll tap my right shoulder twice to let me know that there's a, a right-hand turn. 
and you know and we and we practice uh a lot to because uh, you know when you're in the water you know your ears are filled with water you're uh, you're going all out you you can't hear someone trying to yell at you so it, it's super important to develop that that tactile communication in the water uh and then you know we come out of the water um you know we run to our bike strip off the wetsuit um you know throw on the helmet sh- you know bike shoes uh all, all that you know all your bike gear and uh and we we ride a uh, i actually ride a custom built time trial um tandem bike and uh, so guide is up in front um piloting making sure we're we're staying upright and uh i'm in the back just uh, throwing down as much you know power as i can and then uh, we come off the bike. I run with, you know, we call it a waist tether. So it's, it's around my waist and around my guide's waist. And, and then we're separated by about 50 centimeters by this, uh, by this little strap. And, uh, and yeah, we just, we run side by side. And um, at times we're allowed to, I'm allowed to uh, grab onto my guide's elbow for, for little sections called leading zones where they can, uh, you know, where it might be tight or, you know, we have to pass somebody or, or something along those lines. And so now you, you're sitting in the Olympic Training Center uh, in Colorado Springs in one of the dormitories there. Tell us what the regimen is for an Olympic, uh, aspiring Olympic athlete. What do you, what do you, what does your day look like? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, it is, uh, it's one very busy day. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that. I train seven days a week and it's, uh, I probably average, I'd say I average about 20 to 25 hours of total training time per week and then throw on top of that you know we have a uh, you know soft tissue specialists uh here at the training center that we go and we we visit to to stay on top of um you know injury prevention um you know making sure that we get you know massages dry needling electrical stimulation all, all you know all the above um to make mm-hmm. sure that our our bodies are performing as uh, as optimally as they as they can and then that we wind up uh, uh, working with our our nutritionists and our dietitians uh, a lot as well. It's it's a full time gig, but I I love the I love the regimen, I love the schedule, I love pushing my body and my mind uh, to find that that edge of of performance and, and to to find how far I can push myself and and see where where that line is and see if I can push it a little further. So Kyle, like I'm really interested going back to this Olympics thing. So you, here you are training and you're getting ready, but the Olympics is like what, like eight weeks away? Is this is this a COVID product that this is so late to determine whether you get into the Olympics or not, or is this just the way it always is for Olympians? You're like literally weeks away and you don't know if you're going to make it or not. This is pretty normal. <laughs> it, like uh, so, it, it really depends on the sport. Um, so for for us at, at USA Triathlon. You know there there are certain performance metrics that are, are that are laid out, and you have to you have to hit those performance metrics in races. And then the, we have certain races that are you know automatic qualifying events and, and all that. And so uh, for for USA Para Triathlon, um, our biggest qualifying event is our uh, Continental Championships, which will which will take place June twenty seventh in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. So that's our biggest qualifying event. So uh, USA Triathlon will, will look at that race in particular uh, to determine who they're going to take to to Tokyo. So just 
just gearing up for that just uh just a few weeks yeah. away i remember your old reports like you so for everyone who's listening you send out these amazing stories about all your races and i remember in the beginning it was like hey i'm just getting into this thing and i want to like hang with the best and you were you know they, you were getting beaten basically and then oh, yeah. you know as i read the reports you're getting better and better you're starting to place like second and then in japan or no, no actually then I think it was before Japan you started winning. Uh, I think you even got a world record or something. So yeah, talk about the evolution of how things have progressed for you. Yeah. So I mean, I you know I started triathlon six years ago, and it was just at that point it was just a matter of I just want to finish a race. Um, right. And then, That's your goal, just yeah. to finish. And, and then a couple years after that, I uh, you know I, I was able to to go on to you know become only the ninth blind or visually impaired triathlete ever to go under 12 hours for a, a full distance Ironman. And then a year later, I, I set a goal of becoming the first totally blind triathlete to go under 11 hours for an Ironman triathlon. And then I made the switch over to, to well, then you made that, right? You yeah. got that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I did, I, I, uh, squeaked under, squeaked under it. <laughs> wow. And, dude. uh, you know, you know, so as of right now, I'm still the only totally blind person to finish a official Ironman 140.6 in under 11 hours but I, I hope that I hope that record doesn't stand for long you know because I want to see the sport grow and progress uh but then you know switching over to, to you know to you know the the olymp you know the the Paralympic side uh, of things yeah I mean I was going up against guys that have you know been racing and and doing this full time for you know for years and you know it, it was a it was a struggle to try to get on the podium and and it was just a matter of like, man, can I just, can I hang with these guys? And then it, it's just a matter of creeping up the, creeping up the standings once, one spot at a time and, you know, pushing yourself day in and day out. Cause it, it's not, it's not one training session or one race that puts you over the top. It's, it's the day in day out grind of, of training and taking care of yourself and uh, you know, you know, coming, coming back from, from major injuries and, and all that. So yeah, no, I was able to, you know, I, you know, before, before this year, I, uh, you know, I hadn't, I, you know, placed as low as fourth and as high as second, but I was always, you know, just missing out on that top step of the podium. And then, you know, this past March, I was able to, uh, I, I went down to a, an invitational race that USA triathlon put on and was able to, uh, you know, run, run clear of the, the rest of the field and got, got the first win of my career down in Sarasota, Florida. And then, uh, and then, uh, in, uh, mid-May this year, um, went over to Yokohama, Japan for the first major international race of the, of the season. And, you know, went up against just a stacked, a stacked field, uh, you know, and just had a, had an incredible race going head to head with one of my compatriots from, uh, from Spain, uh, we were literally steps away from each other for the entire race. Uh, I came out of the water one second ahead of him. Uh, he came off the bike like one second ahead of me. We went out onto the run together, and we we literally ran shoulder to shoulder for uh, I would say forty five hundred meters. And I was able to to outkick him in that in that last in that in probably that last 500 meters to the uh to the finish line to to win by just nine seconds it's a big first international win of my career and yeah so i'm i know i'm the first person who's ever asked you this but uh how did that feel that must have been <laughs> i mean that must have been crazy it, it, or, or or are you like you can't even believe it maybe it, 
I, like I'm I'm still I'm still wondering if it actually happened because you know look every competitor wants to everyone wants to win everyone wants to stand on top of the podium but being able to to win in the in the fashion that I did that's what's making me me pinch myself so even though you won that race so now you still have to qualify or are you qualified now nope still have to qualify so it, it's it's a uh, <laughs> I, I joke that it, it takes a a literature uh, you know a phd in literature economics mathematics and engineering to figure out the uh, qualification for usa paratriathlon but uh but no Esen- essentially as long as i if i if i win my race coming up in wisconsin we're pretty confident that uh that i'll be selected to uh to represent the us in in tokyo so but we're uh we're we're pretty stoked and excited so that's just such an amazing thing to be able to say you know one one race away from being able to represent the u.s in tokyo kyle it's, it's just extraordinary My hand was what, sweating what for an, him. i know <laughs> it's extraordinary what an athlete you become um i'd love to make sure we we cover the fact that you've got an ex, another exciting thing happening which is that you are releasing your first book tell us about the book it's called discovering a life without limits how cancer took my sight blindness gave me vision and the mountains let me live and, and the and it and it focuses on my my years growing up growing up as a as a kid learning to navigate blindness and then learning how to really discovering how i could push push the limits of what i thought was possible how how could i find the limits of my potential and, and push beyond them you know, it, you know it, basically how could how could I live my own version of a no barriers mindset? I hope that, you know, I hope that, you know, if and when people read, you know, my book that uh, it, it, it encourages them and inspires them to reach beyond and, you know, go discover their own life without limits. Yeah. And I know your story is unfolding. It's going to be a long time before your story is finished. So, and um, I still got a lot of years before you're as old as Eric. So <laughs> got a lot, a lot of time, on, man. No reason for a jab. I was. <laughs> I, I will. I, I will say, Eric, you look just the same as the day I met you. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Same, same for you, Dave. You look a little. Actually, you were your head's a lot bigger than it was in in kindergarten. Uh, that 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 it is, Dave. I will say, you look a little younger though. You, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I've aged well. And Kyle, like all kidding aside, I'm so proud to have watched you grow up and take on all these adventures and this no barriers life and do all the things with your life and living so fully great relationships, great adventure, great competition, great family. Um, it's, it's, it's like make, brings tears to my eyes to, just be a little part of your life. So crush it in, in the Paralympics. I know you're going to do Yeah, good great. luck, Kyle. We we look forward to seeing you in the Olympics. Absolutely. No, and, and hey, truly from the bottom of my heart, thank thank you guys for, you know, just for, for being a part of my life. Anyone out there listening to this uh, to this podcast, if you go to my publisher's website, walnutstreetpublishing.com, and you decide that you want to purchase my book, Discovering a Life Without Limits, if you plug in the code no barriers so all caps no barriers we'll donate one dollar per book back to no barriers so if you want to go on and 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 buy one book we'll donate a dollar 
if you decide that you want to go and you want to buy five books, we we donate five dollars or a hundred books. Don't forget a hundred. <laughs> yeah, books. buy them for all uh, your friends. Buy them for your company. Um, yep. We need to distribute these and and these. Uh, we Kyle, that's such a generous offer. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm certainly going to go online and pick up my copy and pick up some copies for friends as well. Um, it's just been so fun to reconnect with you. Where can our listeners go just to learn more about your story? Absolutely. So if you want to if you want to learn more about me, uh, definitely visit my website, kylecoon.com, K-Y-L-E-C-O-O-N.com. You can check out all of my uh, my race reports under under my adventures that, you know, that Eric mentioned earlier. But also, please give me a follow on social media. Um, I, I'm primarily active on on Instagram and Facebook. So Instagram, you can find me at Iron Kyle. That's at E-Y-E-R-O-N-K-Y-L-E. So think of I on Kyle, um, but uh, you know, kind of a, a little play on words there. So good play on words. Yeah, nice. like that's it. pretty cool. I so, love that. You know, Iron Iron Kyle E Y E R O N K Y L E, and then uh, on Facebook, uh, you can find me facebook.com slash Kyle Coon Speaks. And as always, we'll put those links into our show notes so you can grab them there if you didn't have time to take note of them. But Kyle, uh, just so fun to, to catch up with you. Good luck with the next few weeks here, and we hope to see you in the Olympics. Absolutely. We're going to be rooting you on. Well, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Dave. That was great. And no barriers to everyone. Absolutely. We would like to thank our generous sponsors that make our No Barriers podcast possible. Wells Fargo, Prudential, CoBank, Aero Electronics, and Winnebago. Thank you so much for your support. It means everything to us. The production team behind this podcast includes senior producer Pauline Schaefer, sound design, editing, and mixing by Tyler Cotman, and marketing support by Heather Zocali, Stevie DiNardo, Erica Hui, and Alex Schaefer. Special thanks to the Dan Ryan Band for our intro song, Guidance. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to it, share it, and give us a review. Show notes can be found at nobarrierspodcast.com. We'll